Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. We've been talking about history makers this, uh, for the last several weeks and going into that, in that process of what it is because I believe that we need to understand that when God said that he chose us before the foundations of the world were laid, and he says that when he brought us into this world, he brought us into this world with purpose. We know that purpose creates value. So everyone here has some value in them that God wants to get out of them so that they can, if you will, put their mark on life in the world in which we live. Everyone here has a God-given ability to create or to be a history maker. Everyone here. The Bible says that, that he, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and all of us have, have a presence of God, a power of God to move into a dimension if we will only allow God to lead us. And what the world system tries to do is to discourage us from being what God created us to be. And when we're not what God created us to be, we fall short of the purpose of why we're here. And, and, so, and, and it's amazing to me. I, I've had the privilege to talk to a number of entertainers through the year and, and, and professional athletes and things of that nature. And it's amazing to me how they don't seem to find happiness until they find Jesus. All the money in the world doesn't buy them happiness. All the fame in the world doesn't. You know why? Because no matter how much fame or how much money you got, if you're not fulfilling purpose, then the true value of who you are is not being seen. Think about that. The true value of who you are is not being celebrated. And God has called us to be history makers in the sense that every one of us is to establish, if you will, our position in life because there's people waiting on us to get our act together. There's people that God wants us to witness to. There's people that God wants us to pray for. There's people that God wants us to encourage. There's people that God wants us to mentor. But we get so caught up with ourselves sometimes that we, we forget what this thing is all about. It is about reaching our world with life. Now, we're going to be talking next week, and today's sermon is going to be helping us set up for what we're doing next week, but I want to take a few moments to give some explanation so when we begin to teach, you will know where we're headed with this. But next week is July the 4th. We made a decision in the early part of this year because every year there's always an offering taken at Easter, and we call it Resurrection Seed Offering to honor the, the, the resurrection of Christ, but also it is an offering that helps the ministry here. It is a blessing to the ministry, and we're able to do some things. And, you know, we don't get up and do a lot of things. I don't get up and say we need to raise $1,000 or we need to raise $10,000. I don't do that. I never have. The only time usually I, I do something like that is when I have a, a visiting, visiting guest here and I take up an offering for them. But next week we moved the resurrection seat offering because it became just like, a, like almost like a ritual. You know how that is? It didn't really carry the value of the meeting. Oh, I brought an offering. Well, I don't know how to tell you this. If you just bring an offering, that's all you did, you're in trouble right now. If, if you're not bringing an offering purposeful. And so we moved it because God really began to deal, deal with me, and I met with our, our team, and I said, guys, we're not going to do a, a, a resurrection seat offering. God has really dealt with me about July the 4th because it falls on a Sunday, but not just because of that, but we're going to do a freedom offering. Yeah. And, and the offering, and, uh, yeah, you, when we get into it, you're going to understand it. But the freedom offering 
It's not about the church, although the finances that come in will be helping the church. We've got to replace some of our microphones. We're going to do some things that we need to do. I'm just, I don't normally tell you that but because I don't want you giving to a need. I want you to giving with purpose for yourself. And, and, and I just get bothered sometimes when people become so need-oriented. Every time there's a need, a need, a need, a need, that, that all of a sudden we lose the value of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, but next week we're going to talk, and I want to break it down to you today. So you can understand why this offering is going to be so important next week. And as we come, we're coming believing God. That we, you know, we, we talk about the chains broken in the songs that we are singing, thy kingdom come. Well, we understand very clearly that the kingdom of God is about sowing and reaping. Such as the kingdom of God, if a man should scatter seed. We know that the kingdom of God is about all the old things pass away and all things begin new. You can't begin anything new without the sowing of a seed. We want to start something new. You have to sow a seed. If we want to walk in the kingdom, the authority of God, it starts with a seed. Well, I don't know about that. Okay, well, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Who was Jesus? The incorruptible seed. He provided salvation for you with his son who was his seed so you could have salvation. When he created the heavens and the earth, according to Hebrews chapter 11, he says that, verse 3, he said that the earth was created that which is seen was created that which is not seen by what? By the word of God. Well, what's the word of God? The sower sows the word. It's a seed. So God created with a seed. God provided salvation with a seed. He says in Genesis 8:22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. The earth cannot even be sustained without seed time and harvest. So let me say, he created the earth with a harvest. He sustains the earth with a harvest. And he gives salvation to us with a harvest, which comes from what? A seed. So all new beginnings start with a seed. But the seed has to be purposeful. Let me say that again. It has to be purposeful. Now, you can give, and, and, and I was sharing with Sean yesterday. We are sharing about some things. And I said, the problem we have in the church is that we've gotten so used to hearing about seed time and harvest that we just operate in what I call the natural law. Not the spiritual side of it, but the natural side of it. The natural side is this, as long as your earth remains, seed time and harvest. So God is not mocked. What's your man soweth, that shall he also reap. No matter what you do with this, that seed is going to produce a harvest of some kind. But that's a natural thing. It's not a spiritual thing. It's a natural law that was established by God, a spirit. God is a spirit. So it came out of the spirit, but it's set into a natural realm that whether you're a believer or not, that works for you. Oh, look, y'all looking at me so funny. You, you've, okay, we go through the same routine every time. Take a deep breath and hold it. Don't let it out. Now, don't let it out, but pull more air in on top of it. Don't let that out. Now, pull a little more air on top of that. You can't, can you? You know why? Because you can't have the new air till you give up the old air. It's called the law of reciprocals, the action and reaction. We're designed to live by giving and releasing, by giving and releasing. We can't even breathe without practicing the principle. But we in the church have gotten so abused by people taking this incredible principle that God has given us by which to live our lives and be used it for all the wrong reasons. We, we, we've been taken advantage of, if you will. People have taken up offerings and, and told people crazy stuff like, you know, give an offering and God will do this. Now, that's not the way it works. You don't buy from God. 
It's important that you understand that. You, never, you, you can't ever buy what God has for you. But the, when you sow a seed, it is an action of faith. You're saying that, God, I'm trusting you. Let me help you with this now. Watch. It says that God, when, when Abraham came to, to uh, Melchizedek after he freed Lot and all of them, and he met Melchizedek, the high priest of the Most High God, he gave him tithe of all, the high priest of the Most High God. See, when you bring your tithe into the storehouse, it's a declaration of faith that you're declaring God is the Most High God. In other words, he's your source. You got that. Now, because of that, when you bring your tithe, God says the tithe is holy unto me. So when you bring your tithe into the storehouse and you give it to God, what you're doing is I'm making covenant with God because I'm declaring who he is. You you understand that? So when we're bringing our tithe, tithe is not seed. Yes, ma'am. You're a man. Yeah, I'm telling you. She was singing and dancing. and That's my granddaughter. Y'all excuse me. I'll just take a moment with her. But tithe is not seed because it's not yours. The 10% that God talks about is his. And he says all the way through the scripture, the tithe is holy unto me. Someone said to me, he said, well, the tithe is of the Old Testament. It's not New Testament. Really? Well, why is it that Jesus is after order of Melchizedek? Who is Melchizedek, the high priest of the Most High God who received tithe? Why is in the book of Romans he says that you, you, in my, you bring sacrilege to my temple and the word sacrilege is you rob me? Come on, folks, stay with me here. Tithe is not Old Testament, New Testament. It's about God. It's about us making covenant with God. It's important we get that in our spirit. Now, turn with me, into, if you would, to the book of Genesis. Let's look at a couple of things because I really want us to come. When we come next week, we're coming with purpose like we never have before. But in Genesis 15, if you would, please. I've been wrestling with this for several weeks now. And this morning, I, I mean, I... I wake up in you know at quarter after five this morning, and I just I'm just it's just I can't get rid of it because we've had such abuse that we never get the benefit because we don't understand what is the benefit. You know I, I don't know how to tell you this. You can have all the money in the world and still miss God. It the benefit of seed time and harvest is that the seed produces a harvest that glorifies God. We'll talk about that in a moment. But in Genesis, we find here in chapter 15, this is after Abraham has given tithe of all. In verse 1, it says, After all these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I will, I'm your shield. You're exceeding great reward. Now, watch this now. Abraham has given tithe to Melchizedek. And I'm, I, I don't, I'm not going to go through all the detail. He did not give him tithe Oh, you great theologians. He did not give him tithe of what he got in the battle. We read it because he defeated the kings, rescued Lot. He ran into Melchizedek and gave him tithe of all. And we say, well, he gave him tithe of, of the spoil. But when he got before the king, the king, he said to the king, king says, you keep everything except this. He says, I won't take anything unless you say that you made me rich. 
Because you see, when you're under another domain of leadership, whatever you win is not yours, it's theirs. You understand? So what he won by defeating the other kings, it wasn't his. He couldn't tithe on what wasn't his. But when you study the scripture, Abram had built altars, had given offerings, but he had never tithed until now. Now, I'm going to mess some of you up. He went back and tithed of everything from the past. Now, the good news about that, we came along in the book of Malachi, and the prophet said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, God says, you've robbed me. Where have we robbed you? And tithe and offering. He went back and gave him tithe of everything from Genesis chapter 12 on. From when he went to Egypt and got very rich, and then he went, man, this guy, he was loaded. He had to go back all those years, and he gave Melchizedek time. Man, would I like to be his pastor? That'd be a good deal. Come on, it'd be like Bill Gates giving us tithe of all. Well, Abraham was very rich. Oh, come on, stay with me, folks. Watch this now. He had a promise. Everybody say promise. promise. Don't we like to say this? Every promise in the book is mine. We teach our kids that nonsense. First off, every promise in the book is not yours because not every promise is meant for you. The promises that are yours are meant for your purpose. Take ownership of something that was not designed for you. I have not seen, ear not heard, or entered the heart of man the things God has prepared for them. In other words, God's prepared something specifically for you. And by the Spirit, you discover those things. Come on, stay with me. I'm going somewhere, guys. So Abraham gave him tithe of all his stuff. He had never tithed until then. So he had a promise. Everybody say promise. Oh, I'm gonna mess something up. But he didn't have a revelation. No, he did not, baby. He didn't have a revelation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody say promise. With no revelation is meaningless. We read the Bible all the time. Every promise in the book is mine, which isn't. We walk around that, and then we wonder why bad things happen to Christians. Hmm. We're going somewhere. Not a real preachy today, but we're going somewhere. But after he gave him tithe of all, I said after he gave him tithe of all in the 14th chapter. In the 15th chapter, God said, it said, after all these things, after all what things? God came to him in a vision. And now when he came to him in a vision, what did he do? He gave him a revelation of the promise. Oh, God. i got a lot of Christians running around quoting their promises, but they don't have a revelation of their promise. That's the reason they get started and quit. They get started and quit. They have no revelation. And if you don't have a revelation, you're going to quit every time something gets difficult. You're going to hear one day God told me to do this. Next day you're doing something else. You go, what happened? Well, I don't know. It just wasn't God. I had to go on. Well, I thought God told you yesterday. God is not a man that he should lie. God's word doesn't change with the wind. Amen. And so it says God came to him 
after the, to the tithe, and I'm making a real deal about this because the tithe is the Lord's. You cannot use the tithe as a vehicle to create new. I said you cannot use the tithe as a vehicle to create new. It is you establishing covenant with God. It's me saying, God, you are my source. You are the most high God. You are the possessor of heaven and earth. It's you I trust in all of these things. It's not what's going on around. I'm trusting in my tithe is establishing that I'm making a covenant here. Okay, now watch this now. So now we go in the same chapter. We start over here in verse 6 of Genesis 15. We can pull up on screen. And he believed the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. He believed what God said to him because he saw the stars. He believed God. He counted for righteousness. Next verse. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Chaldees, Ur of Chaldees, to give you the land to inherit it. Next verse. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Next verse. So he said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. Next verse. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. Next verse. And when the vultures came on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Stop right there for a moment. Now, something you're going to have to get a hold of before, as we get into this teaching today is that when you get past your tithe and you've made covenant with God, you ask God, how do I know this manifestation is going to take place? And God says, you're going to give me an offering. You know why? Because God has said it in his word that when you give a seed, he's made covenant with you. He made covenant with man. I'll never destroy the earth again the way I did with water with Noah because of this offering he gave me. He reversed the curse. And he says, when you give a seed, now you've not made covenant with me. You made covenant with me by declaring who I am. But when you gave me a seed, now I make covenant with you to show you who I am. There's a big difference, folks. I said, there's a big difference. The seed is about God demonstrating who he is. It deals with manifestation. Tithe deals with revelation. The seed deals with manifestation. But listen to what he says. The moment, the moment you start giving over and above your tithe, the vultures are coming. How do they come? Learn to tear down the imaginations that exalt themselves against God. You're crazy. You gave how much? You gave what? Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? You did that to the church? Oh, that pastor's just going to get a big new car. Look at all the jewelry he wears. You see the house he's living in? Well, I'm stepping on some toes, aren't I? Like you paid me. Yeah, right. I got news for you. I love you all with all my heart. I am what I am, not because of this church. You know Why? I made a long time ago a decision. This is not my source. I won't even get into it, but it would stagger you if you saw what God has done in my wife's my life. And we go out and make a little investment, and all of a sudden it comes back and you've more than quadrupled what you invested. God's good. So don't don't get me started on that. I don't want to get into all that. But I'm just I want to because the vultures are going to come. And they're going to come at you in every angle they can. 
You can't afford to do that. You shouldn't have done that. They're not going to use it for that anyway. Let me say something to you. I never sow a seed and care what somebody does with it. I sow a seed to see what God's going to do with it. Now, that bothers a lot of people. But I'm always fascinated that somebody will come to the church, get saved, get delivered from drugs, get their lives transformed, get them turned around, and then they get angry at the pastor because he took them an offering. You were going to hell, son. Really? Think about that a moment. You were were going to kill yourself on drugs. Your marriage was falling apart, and you're mad because of him. What? I'm just dealing with the vultures. You've got to learn to chase vultures. You've got to learn to tear down imaginations. You've got to learn to shut down voices. You, because, because I'm going to tell you right now, my wife and I, every time God speaks to us, and, and the older we get and the more blessed we get, it amazes me the size seed he tells us to sow. We, we were talking yesterday, my wife and I, day before yesterday, we were talking about, about I can't believe during COVID, we probably gave more during COVID than we have in years. With the last coming in. And finish the year with more. I don't know how that works. I'm just telling you, it's crazy. God has allowed us to to move in such a dimension in that area. But we have to learn to tear down. Because the minute the the enemy would come and say, well, you know, you you didn't speak at such and such this year. You didn't go to that conference this year. You didn't go there this year. You didn't come out with a new book this year. And you're giving that. You need to keep that. No, you don't understand. If I keep it, that's all I've got. Yeah, yeah, come on. You gotta learn to chase them. I'm gonna tell somebody learn to chase the vultures away. We used to have vulture chasers here. We got anyone around here, Dave? Go get me one. Don't sit there, son. Go. Give me a vulture chaser. I'll make some more and hand them out. Give them out for free. Just Get them done. Say, what's a vulture chaser? It's what you use to chase these things away from you. You're going to have to learn to tell somebody, you need to just shut up. I don't want to hear this. I had somebody come to me one day. They were going to, I looked at them. I said, do you know who you're talking to? They said, what do you mean? I, of course I know who you I said, evidently you don't. You've gotten so familiar with the natural, you haven't seen the supernatural. God, help me. Let people know me more in the spirit than they know me in the flesh. Glory to God. But you're going to have to chase them vultures away. You're going to have to get rid of them. Get them out of your house. You're going to have to cut off some of that stuff. You're going to have to do some surgery with your TV, your internet. But I was just wanting to see what they were saying. Why? See, you hear what you're saying. I want to see what they're saying, which means I'm allowing them to use their words to paint pictures on the canvas of my mind. And once my mind has a picture, I can't get rid of it. That means it can come back to me. The enemy will use it to come back to me over and over again. I keep having to tear it down, tear it down, tear it down. But I've already engraved it in the computer in my mind. And the moment I get weak, the enemy brings it back. I don't want you painting pictures on the canvas of my mind. Thank you, David. He brought both of them. Isn't that great? Well, at least we're being correct. We got a black one and we have a blue one. 
so you can't go out of here and say that I've been prejudiced. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. Thank God we're in the kingdom. Look at the person next to you and say there's no black or white, red or yellow. We're all precious in his sight. God loves you. Someone told me the other day, they said, uh, they, they, they sent me a picture, the, one of the early pictures of Jesus. And he was black. I said, I didn't know they had cameras when Jesus was alive. <laughs> Now, the other side of that, can I ask you something? What happens when we get to heaven and we find that Jesus is oriental? <laughs> oh, my God. really messes all of us up, the white, the black. We're done. What do I care what color he is? I never even thought about it till this nonsense started this past year. I never even thought, I don't care what color he is. He can be red, yellow, black, or white. I serve him because he's God. Okay, enough of that. I got a vulture chaser. Some of you might need to get one. This is a great one. This is our first one, I think. Was this our first one? You know. Yeah, vulture chaser. Isn't that awesome? And when the fowls came, he chased them away. He drove them away. Genesis 15, 11. He drove them away. <laughs> Here you go, kids. You might need that with dad sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> that was a joke. It was a joke. And then we came out with this one. I know it's terrible, but see, I'm a Raiders fan when they were in Oakland. I like these colors. So I know that sounds spiritual, but just they were just a mean team. And I wanted the vultures to know I'm mean enough to take you out. We need to remake them. How many would like to have one? So when somebody comes over to you and says, you go, I'm chasing you out of here, buddy. See, so you're going to understand that the moment you give your offering next Sunday, they're coming. I don't think we can get them printed time enough to hand them out, can we? Can we get them printed up by next Sunday? Maybe we can, if we can get them to you. Everybody get a vulture chaser when they get their offering because you're going to need it when you leave this place. I said, you're going to need it when you leave this place. Because they're coming for you. Next verse. Let's move on. And when his son was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Now he's beginning to see something here about God saying to him, watch this now. Go to the next verse. Go ahead, go in verse 13. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. Next verse. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterwards, and they shall come out with. Everybody say possessions. Oh, I don't serve God for anything. I do. I do. I want what he says is mine. That's all I want. You know why? Because if I don't get what he says is mine, I can't do what he told me to do. 
folks, you got to say with me, this, this, this so-called religious humility is stifling. I'm so humble. No, you're not. You're so proud of being humble. How can you be humble? You're proud. Because the person is telling you they're humble all the time, they're proud of their humility, which means pride cometh before a fall. Come on, folks, stay with me on this. Learn to celebrate who your God is, what he's done. When you come out, you come out with great possessions. Next verse. Next verse. Now, as for you, everybody say, nay, he's talking to me. You shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a, at a good old age. That means my ladder should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be struggling. How am I going to make ends meet? <laughs> Next verse. But in the fourth turn here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. In other words, I want you to mark this down. The very enemy that has come against you, people, places, and things that he's using, I got news for you. When it comes your time, when it comes your time, it says when, when they're, watch this, it says when, it says when the iniquity is, is not yet complete, God's going to bring them to a place of completion. They can no longer talk about you anymore. They can no longer come against you anymore. They don't have the power or the ability. And it says when that stops, watch this now, next verse. And it came to pass when the sun went down, it was dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. Next verse. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And I won't go to all the rest of it. He made, on that same day, he made a covenant. Did you notice something here? When Abraham brought the tithe, he made a covenant with God. But when he gave the offering, why? Because God, when you give an offering, God comes down and consumes that in the spiritual dynamic. And now God says, I make covenant with you. Next week, when you come with your offering, God's going to make covenant with you. And the, and the Bible says in the book of Galatians, it says if we're in Christ, we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. And his promise is that when we do what he told us to do, then he is going to begin to bless us. Oh, my Lord. Now, you have to ask yourself the question. You have to ask yourself the question. What is our role as Abundant Life Christian Center? What is our role as Abundant Life Church? What has God called us to do? And i got to take you back to Bishop Woody and Sister Edith and in a in mandate that was given this house when they started. That was to reach our world with life. And God said and spoke to them prophetically that we would change South Florida with the message that God is a good God, he loves you, and he's going to bless you. That this is our mandate, to, to preach the gospel or the, uh, the message of the good news. God's a good God. I said God's a good God. If he wasn't a good God, many of us would have never made it to the salvation place. Because he'd just gotten mad and just wiped us out. Don't look at me strange. You know, half of you should have already been dead. But God in his mercy, come on, God in his mercy. It's only the mercy of God how I made it out. Thank God, I know where I was headed and I know what I was doing. It's amazing I lived. But God's mercy. 
to say we're to carry the message. Our goal is to, is to preach the gospel to the north, the south, the east, and the west. We've, we, we've raised up 26 churches in all these years. Preach the gospel. Let's go over to the book of Mark, if you would, please, chapter 10. Familiar chapter, familiar verse, but I want to look at this for a moment. In this passage, we find that the, there's, a, there's a rich young ruler, and he knelt before Jesus, and he asked Jesus, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Everybody needs to underline that. I've told on this many times, but just still underline it if it's not underlined in your Bible. Next verse. And he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but, but one, and that is God. Next verse. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Next verse. And he answered and he said to him, teacher, all these things have I kept from my youth. Now, stop just for a moment. We discussed it before, but again, for sake of where we're headed, I want to go back and kind of stir up your memory on this. First off, we recognize he came to Jesus and he referred to him as the teacher or the master, which means you're the rabbi. In order to do that, he was Jewish himself from his, his heritage. He was a Jewish lad. He was a rich, young Jewish lad. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, he says, if you keep my commandments, You'll be blessed in your coming in and going out. Everything your hand touches will prosper. So the Jewish boy here, man, had reached his position in economics because he kept the commandments. Now, again, we're dealing with something here. I want you all to understand something. When God says something, no matter who does it, if they do it, it's going to produce the same results. And so he had kept the commandments. Consequently, it made him positionally ready to walk in the blessings in anything he did or anything he touched. That's a natural kind of a thing. But it's a law that God set in motion. If you do this, okay, important we see that. So now he's got everything he's got because he got it from doing what the Word of God said. Next verse. Jesus looking at him, loved him, and said to him, Oh, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. Now, it's important we look at this a real, real. He said, I want you to go and sell whatever you have and start and give to the poor. Here's how we've read it. Go sell what you got and give everything away. That's not what he said. What he's saying is stop putting your trust in your stuff. Learn to be a giver. You one thing you lack, you don't know how to give. You know how to acquire, but you don't know how to give. He says, and once you do that, now you're ready to take the cross and follow me. But until you learn to be a giver, you can't follow me. Oh God. Oh my. Next verse. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Next verse. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did he ask for? I told you to underline it, didn't I? 
eternal life. He didn't ask to enter the kingdom. He said, I want eternal life. Jesus says, you don't get it. Until you learn to live in the kingdom, you'll never understand eternal life. How do you live in the kingdom? You're a giver. Such is the kingdom of a man should scattered seed. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You see, you, if you're going to live in the kingdom, you're a giver, not a taker. Why is that? Because when you give seed, not tithe, but seed, God makes covenant with you. Jesus said, you want me to make a covenant with you, but you're not a giver. Oh, man. Next verse. And his disciples were astonished at his words. Oh, I know. These, we teach all these. The poor disciples, they gave up everything. They had nothing. They were so poor. Oh, God. They just gave, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Poor people don't get upset at that statement. It's people who's got stuff that says, wait a minute. I'm rich, and I can still get into heaven. I, I can still live in the kingdom. I'm rich, but don't tell. See, they're upset, though, because they don't understand what Jesus is trying to teach here. They're like a lot of religious people today. We don't understand it, so we put our own theory to it rather than really reading it and hearing what he's saying. Jesus said again how, to them, how, the children, how hard it is for those who trust in their riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say rich people couldn't make it. He says don't trust in your riches. Next verse. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now he's back to, the guy never asked him about the kingdom. He kept talking about eternal life. And, 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 and Jesus said, I've got to get you to the kingdom. And the way you get in the kingdom, you've got to start being a giver. And, and if you don't, you're not a giver, you can't follow me. And now the disciples are all upset. And now he's saying how hard it is for a camel uh, to go through the eye of a needle. Well, I don't have time to get into all the history of Jerusalem. And, and, and you're going in, and they, at night they'd close all the gates. They had one gate, and if camels got in, it was just big enough they'd have to get the camels to get down on their knees and kind of get them to scoot along to get in. Just difficult. Didn't say it was impossible, but very difficult. Next verse. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who can be saved? Now, it, again, it amazes me. See, Jesus is talking about the kingdom, and they keep talking about eternal life and salvation. Jesus, you got, you got to get this thing. Listen to what I'm telling you guys. Next verse. But Jesus looked at them, and he said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Underline that in your Bible. Next verse. Peter began to say to him, See, we've left all and followed you. Oh, That, that drives me crazy when I hear that. Would you come here a minute, please? Just leave your stuff. Come here. Can I ask you something? Do you still have an iPad? Do you have a purse? Got any money in it? <laughs> Not yet. She's going to get something. Okay. ATM card? Oh, so you really haven't left anything, have you? Yes, you have. You left it over there. But you know what? Go back. Where is it? Oh, it's all right there. I see. See, we believe, based upon our religious thinking, that they gave it all away and left it all, and there's nothing there. We need to follow when Jesus died on the cross. They went back to their fishing, back to, to their boats. They went back to where they used to live. They didn't give, they didn't, 
get rid of their stuff. They just said the stuff's not going to stop me from preaching the gospel. Next verse. So Jesus said to them, as surely I say to you, there is no one who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels. Next verse. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. That word, when the translators translated it, they didn't know how to, they didn't see if, if you take a test and you make 100 on it, what does that mean? It means you score the highest you can score on the test. This means full capacity. It doesn't mean you give a dollar, you get $100. It means that, the, that, that what you've done for the sake of the gospel, that, it will, it, that everything that you've got is gonna go, has, has now the right, because God is making covenant with you now to make it go to full capacity. Praise God. I can have full capacity. In my ministry, I can have full capacity. In my marriage, I can have full capacity with my children. I can see what I'm saying. It's not just finances, folks. It's lifestyle. Yeah. I want to live at full capacity. I don't. I don't want there to be anything missing, broken, or lost. I want. How I many wants full capacity? But look what he says. And in this age to come, what? What? Oh. So when you learn to live in the kingdom and become a giver and not be controlled by your stuff, you now can follow me. And when you follow me by giving for the sake of the gospel, and now I make covenant with you to make sure that you get full capacity. And oh, by the way, what the young boy asked for, you get it, eternal life. Isn't that amazing? I said, isn't that amazing? Now, I don't have time to get into end time prophecy with some of you in the book of Revelation and, and, and of course, in the book of the Gospels when they talk about Jesus preparing a place for us and all that. And when we stand before God, he says he's going to take what we've done in this life and he says it's going to be, fire is going to be put to it. And what you've done for the sake of Jesus, you're going to be rewarded. But what you haven't done for Jesus is going to burn up You'll suffer loss, it says, but you will be saved. I'm not going to hang out in the ghettos of heaven. I'm not doing it. He's making a mansion for me, and I am not going to live in the backyard. Therefore, when I stand before him, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I, I don't want just full capacity in this life. I want full capacity in the life to come. Come on, stay with me, folks. Okay, let's, let's move on. I, 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 I got a time's fleeting, but I need to get this going. Look over to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Starting in verse 28. We'll start there. For which of you entering or intending to build a tower or house does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish? Next verse. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Next verse. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. He said, what are you telling us? I'm telling you that... God has called this church to change South Florida. And if we're going to make this our place of covenant with our tithe, then the offerings we give 
have got to be for the sake of the gospel. That we're giving because we're going to change South Florida. We're going to have to get excited about people being saved. We're going to have to get excited about our first modus operandi is do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Do you, do you, do you know your sins are forgiven? You, you, you're going to have to get bold. Abundant life's going to have to get bold. And it says that when we, we move into that, that when we start giving of our time, our talent, our energy, and our finance, which are all seeds, by the way. See, once you're born again, you have the covenant. But now, as a born-again believer, I'm led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ and they dwell in me, he's going to quicken my mortal body. So for what? So I can be a witness. I'm a witness in my time. I'm a witness in my talent. I'm a witness in my energy. I'm a witness in my finance. Wherever, anything I touch or possess, it's a witness. And I've got to count this cost. Am I willing to enter into this kind of thing and let God make covenant with me? Because when you make covenant with God, he said the man that walks away from the vow he makes is doomed. Blessed is the man that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. What we do a lot of times, we go, well, I'm, I really feel like God's got me involved. I get involved and then I get a little tired and I quit for a while, you know. Then there come moments, I'll, I'll give a little more than other moments. I'm not consistent in what I'm doing. And my time, my talent, my energy, and finance. So just stay, stay focused on me. All of these things. Not just one thing, but all of these things. You know? And our biggest, our biggest vulture that we have to chase away is that somebody in the church really just ticks us off. Can, can I ask you something? If God told you to go to a particular place and be in a particular church and sit under a particular ministry and that ministry says something you don't like, when did God give you permission to leave? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm your pastor and I love you. But some of y'all really ticked me off for the years. I'm not being funny. I'm human. I've been hurt more than I care to think about for the years. I don't feel sorry for me. I'm good. But I want you to know that though. I've been rejected like you cannot imagine. I've been lied about like you cannot imagine. I just want to take off and leave. I don't need this nonsense. I can go on the road and make a lot more money and don't have to deal with any of the care of the people. I've been lied about. I've been hurt. I've had things stolen from me. My kids have come under abuse. My wife has come under abuse. Well, why are you doing it? Because I counted the cost. And it says that there's coming a day that the enemy is going to reach their peak. They will no longer go. And I'm coming out of this thing, and I'm going to be blessed. And I am. I'm blessed in my coming in and going out. But I didn't walk away because somebody lied about me. I didn't walk away because some minister said something about me. I didn't walk away because somebody didn't like me. Forty-four years. Whether you like it or not, I stayed. In 44 years, whether I liked it or not, 
I stayed. You know why? Because God didn't tell me to come here and leave when I got my feelings hurt. Come here and leave when he didn't do what I asked him to do. Come here and leave when nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. He didn't ask me to do that. He says, I've called you to pastor abundant life, and you go there, and you stay there. You build the 20 churches. You reach around the world, and you change South Florida with a message of the gospel that God is a good God. He loves you. He's going to bless you. And I'll breathe on them, and they'll come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. There is no option here. Count the cost before you make the commitment. Ooh. Get a little bit of feedback now. Bless your heart. (laughs) Jesus has been beaten to the point he's no longer recognizable. He didn't look human. They hung him on a tree, or they call it a cross, suspended between heaven and earth. They mocked him. They stuck a spear in his side. A thirst, they gave him vinegar. His disciples denied him. And he looked out and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And until you can get to that place in the body of Christ that you can forgive the way he forgave, you're not going to make it. The glory to me is my wife, it drives her crazy because I can have a moment, walk away, two minutes later, it means nothing to me. The very people who've hurt me, I can hug their necks, pray for them. Because if I couldn't, it means I never got rid of it. But I can tell you right now, I have no wrath, I have no anger, I have no doubt, I have no unforgiveness. Now, just because I love you doesn't mean I'm going to hang out with you. Because I also know that God gives you wisdom. And I've told you the wisdom is if I put my hand down, you cut my finger off. You say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. I put a hand down, you cut another finger off. You say, I'm sorry. And then you say, well, why don't you put your hand back on the table because you've got a propensity to cut my fingers off. I forgive you, but I'm not going to give you another opportunity. That's not about forgiveness. That's about wisdom. But you've got to count the cost, folks. I said, you've got to count the cost. Am I going to be in the service? Am I going to take the messages and make them a part of my life? Am I going to give my time? I'm going to give my talent. Am I going to be in the ministry? It's so easy. I had a guy call me yesterday, a friend of mine, and uh, he, he knows who I am. He knows what I do, and I know what he does. We, we're friends, but we're friends. And he says to me, he called me up, and he says, listen, I've got, my, my, I've got some family coming to town, and... Uh, I was wondering if there's any way to, you, you could help us out because we won't be back in time that you could help me out, get them picked up. I said, sure, there's not a problem with that. When are they coming in? He said, well, I know, but he, I said, I'm going to go get them. He goes, Bishop, you, you're not. I said, yeah, I'm going to go get them. See, we lose sight of serving. I don't say that to pat me on the back. I'm trying to say something to you. You know why I'm the bishop? Because I'll go to the airport and pick up the people. Because I'll pick up the trash off the floor. Because I'll still go to youth meetings and children's meetings. And I'll still and I'll serve wherever I have to serve. And whenever I go, I, I'll usher if I have to usher. 
Thank God that God has allowed me to understand that you're never in a position that you quit. Anything I see that is not right, then it is my commission because I've seen it to try and correct it. Well, yeah, the ushers in this church will be one. Children's ministry, get involved. But it's music I don't like. Well, why don't you sing? If you can sing, sing. If you can play, play. Why don't you make some influence around here? Why don't you quit doing this and start doing this? I surrender all. So you're on one today. Yeah, I am because next week when you bring your offering, you're making a commitment. And I don't want you to make a commitment just with your money. I want you to make a commitment with your life. If you're going to be a part of abundant life, when you bring that offering next week, know that we are now coming together in a covenant that we've made with our tithe, but now God's going to make a covenant with us as a church. And we're going to change South Florida with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means all of us have got to be on the same page. So when you bring your offering, whatever it may be, and somebody said, well, how much you want us to give? I want you to give everything you got. So you're kidding me. No. You know why? Because only then will God be able to tell you what you're supposed to give. Unless you're willing to give it all, you'll never listen to God when he tells you what to give. <laughs> My wife and I, we learned a long time ago. We've given away a number of cars through the years. People don't, I'm not, again, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, because we've learned this. Now, and always somebody will come to me and answer, well, you know, I need a car, Bishop. <laughs> when the Lord speaks to us about things, you've got to do some stuff. And, you got, and, and that means you're going to step up to the plate. In, in order to do some of that stuff at times, I've had to do without stuff personally so that I could make it happen for someone else. But look what God has done along the way. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I wish I could get what you've got. Just follow in my footsteps. No big deal. Go with me to the airport to pick somebody up. Go with me down to the children's ministry and just start doing or something on the floor, pick it up. Go, 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 with, go with me and, and, and when I go to some of these meetings and be an usher. I went down to Miami last year, year before last. I was with Brother Ted Shuttlesworth. He was having a meeting in a church. The place was packed out, 1,500 people. You know, Brother Ted, he gets that thing going. He's going to pray for everybody in the room. Okay, we know we're going to be here at 1 o'clock this morning. Okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so he goes, for, and all of a sudden there's no ushers. There's nobody there helping him. Donnie wasn't with him on that trip. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a VIP guest on the front row. And I'm looking around. I take my jacket off, take my tie off. I get out there and I, I, grab, I grab the man, I grab another man. As you stand here, you stand here. And so when it's all over with, the pastor came to me. He said, man, I can't believe you did that. I said, what do you mean you can't believe I did that? I said, this thing was going to fall apart. Yeah. The man of God needed to have some organization so that he could operate in his gift. So I will be glad to get sweaty and get dirty so his gift can work. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you need to understand, you're an usher not because you, you oh, look at I'm No, you're doing it so the gift on the platform, the ministry, the song, the teaching, it can work. So you get involved in children's ministry so your kids can be taught of the Lord. And when they grow up, they serve him all the days of their life. You, you got to understand, this is not about me. It's about me using what I've got so that God will make a covenant with me and cause me to be blessed. Stephen, musicians, Stephen, I know you're full of the Holy Ghost. I know when you pray for sick, they're healed. I know the gifts of the Spirit flow through you. You're incredible, Stephen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait on tables. <laughs> See, some of us won't buy into that. Oh, no. I'm not going to be in the parking lot ministry. Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're sweating out there, these people out there. Not me. I'm not called to that. Do you know who I am? I really don't care who you are. I know who Jesus is. You don't need to know Rick Thomas. You need to know the Jesus that I serve. And the only way you can know the one that I serve is if I'm serving. So what did he do? He took care of the widows. He took care of the needy people. He ministered to them. He waited on them. But guess what? While he was doing it, they were getting healed. And they were getting delivered. He was getting as many miracles as the others were because he was doing what he was called to do. See, just because you're gifted doesn't mean that your gift exonerates you from what you're called to do. Just because you're gifted doesn't mean your gift is exonerated from what you're called to do. Next week when we come, we're going to be bringing an offering. Let's call it freedom offering. And I've been spending time in prayer and fasting and talking to God a lot in the last almost seven weeks now. Our church needs a revival. I, I love the fact we can come here and worship. And our, our worship team is second to none. I love the fact I can show up on Tuesday morning and the power of God and the anointing is so strong. It's, it's crazy good, folks, on Tuesday morning at 6 to 7 o'clock. And you're out of here before 7. I wouldn't trade Tuesday morning for anything right now. But we need a revival. Everyone here needs to reach full capacity. You got to be willing to let go of what's held you back. It's going to be there when you get back. But don't let it keep you from your gifting and your calling and your appointment and your anointing. Be a part. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.